Welcome, everybody, to episode 412 of the RV Podcast. And this week, we ask and we answer the question, why are there so many solo female campers? Welcome, fellow travelers. It's time for another episode of the RV Podcast. Answering your questions, sharing tips, suggesting great trips and off-the-beaten-path adventures, and always staying on top of the RV lifestyle news you need to know about with great interviews and inside industry information. Here's your hosts, award-winning journalists Mike and Jennifer Wendland. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Mike Wendell, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. And it's great to be with you. Uh, we have survived Labor Day. We're now in what I think uh, Jennifer and I think is the best season of the year to go camping. Usually the crowds aren't there during the week. On the weekend, they're still out in full force. But on the during the week, if you are lucky enough to be able to travel then, it's absolutely beautiful out. The bugs are normally gone. And it's a wonderful time to camp. Trees trees are already starting to turn color in the northern states. We noticed that this week. Yeah, they're turning uh, fast. Yeah. So uh, we this is the lull before the travel storm for Jen and me. <laughs> we are about ready to hit the road. Uh, our first stop will be Hershey, Pennsylvania. We'll be leaving there for this, this coming weekend. We'll be leaving for there. And then after that, it's just one thing after another. Hershey, Elkhart Open House, our uh, RV Lifestyle Gathering in Tennessee in October, some great weekends up north, and um, probably a hunt for some Michigan property. And I guess we could tell them we're kind of narrowing the hunt down a little bit. It is definitely narrowing down. We had two free weeks, so naturally... We went looking for property in Michigan <laughs> that we can turn into kind of a private little RV retreat. And uh, we've got a really strong possibility. We'll share that with you when it's uh, more than strong, <laughs> if that happens. A little too early to say right now. But, Should we uh, tell everybody that Bo is going to Pennsylvania with us? Yes, yes. Um, because we're going to be in Pennsylvania really from... A week. Next eight weekend days. on until the following weekend, eight days. Uh, longest we've ever stayed at the Hershey RV show. But you can't take dogs into that show. Unless you can put them in a little doggy Unless stroller. Unless they're, you know, a cat dog about that size. It's more cat than dog that you can put is in a stroller. Is it size or is the rule being in a stroller? I think it's got to be in a stroller or something. Uh, so, uh, Bo, who's uh, over here looking at us right now. <laughs> hey, Bo. Uh, I don't have the other cameras on. I'll show you, but... Oh, it's definitely not stroller size. <laughs> but we really we didn't have anything. We didn't really have anybody to watch him. And he doesn't really like be. We do so much. He's with us 24 7 because we're usually on the road camping and he's with us. Just look at our videos. He's in every <laughs> shot. In every I think. shot. Um, so Bo is going with us. And uh, what we did is we rented an Airbnb that's uh, pet friendly. And uh, Bo, is, he's adjusts pretty well. He'll probably stay there. We'll limit our time at the show to four or five hours instead of all day. But um, that's the best yeah, solution uh, we can we make. Throw in, do we tell people about a, a doggy daycare that we had checked into? Yeah, we, we saw a really promising doggy daycare, and we called them, went through the whole application process. Good grief, it's like putting your child in an <laughs> exclusive uh, preschool or something. They go through all these questions. But... We got to the point where we gave them the dates we wanted. I said, oh, you're not from here. You, you, we are only taking dogs from this area who have a vet in the area that they're a patient of. 
in case something happens so the vet will take them. I said, well, you know, we've never had to do that before. And they said, well, since COVID, there have been so many people who have bought dogs that, um, that most vet practices in this country are overwhelmed. And many of them are not taking new dogs. It takes sometimes weeks to get into for an appointment. That is the reason there is a veterinarian shortage right now. Why, when you have a crisis with your dog, the emergency room wait for a pet may be 12 hours. It happened to uh, somebody that we know, yeah. So anyway, uh, all that aside, Bo is coming with us, and he's going to Airbnb it. (laughs) Air-conditioned Airbnb in Elizabethtown, oh. which is right outside of, of her The good city. part of that is that I can cook food. Oh, you know, and everybody's going to hear this. Well, why don't you take him in your RV? Because all the spots are taken. There are no... We could uh, not get a spot. No uh, spots for either for our fifth wheel or anything else we could find. So um, that's why we're in an Airbnb. And uh, we'll, we're going to be doing a lot of meet and greets at the Hershey Show. If you're going, we'd love to see you. We'll put that schedule out next week on the podcast and... It will again be repeated if, for those of you who subscribe to the uh, newsletter that we send out every Monday morning. It'll be on next Monday's uh, newsletter as well. We should tell everybody how much we love their comments and their questions. Anything you hear on the podcast today that you'd like to comment on, or if you have a question about the RV lifestyle that you'd like us to answer, if you'd like Jen to answer or me to answer or both, um, just use our private email, which is Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. And that's for you to send us comments or questions for the podcast or uh, any of our uh, Ask Us Anything programs as well. Um, we had a great time at Labor Day. We uh, got a chance to hang out at uh, one of the uh, RV uh, campgrounds not too far from us. And uh, it's so nice to see families out and people out enjoying the outdoors. And it's just such a great lifestyle, isn't it? It is. All right. Hey, we have lots of RV news for you this week, and we want to touch on those before we get to our interview segment coming up. And uh, let's uh, start off with this about the RV industry as a whole. Is the RV boom over? Well, well, this is what they're saying. The wholesale RV shipments are expected to decline in 2022 by 16.9% mm-hmm. from uh, 2021's record-setting number of 600,240, according to a just-released RV shipment forecast. But at 498,800 units, the projection still shows RV shipments for 2022 are expected to be the second or third best year ever on record. And projections for 2023 show about 419,000 units shipped, which is, that's more like what it normally is for like the past 10 years. That's, that's kind of their 10-year yeah. cycle average. And that was uh, the projections were released by the RV Industry Association. Now, I want to point out that uh, while they spin it really well there, this year RV shipments are down almost 17%. Uh, so they're going to sell about 498,000 units, as you say, for 2022. But they're going down again, down to 419,000 units. That's the projection for 2023. So what we have been kind of pointing at and talking about, um, the industry doesn't like it, the RV boom is over. And uh, that's good news for consumers because it means um, you probably get a better price on an RV now if you buy it, particularly next year. Uh, and that means uh, that they've caught up a little bit with the, 
this massive demand, so there's not going to be so many backlogs. We're picking up a new RV next week in Hershey, and uh, we ordered it almost two years ago, and that's how long it took. So uh, hopefully those production cycle delays are going to go, but definitely uh, a big drop, 17% this year, and I can't do the calculations, but a pretty pretty good uh, drop again projected for next year. So still healthy. The industry is yeah, very yeah, healthy. Very yeah, healthy. I, I don't want to make you think it's not a healthy industry. It is very healthy. It's but it, it, it had to come down because oh it was gosh. crazy. It was insane. There was no way it could it's keep doing what it was doing. So by no means is the industry panicking or anything like that. This is more they've been able to take a breath now, and this is what normal demand is still up from where it's ever been. Um, so all that's gone. Uh, kind of a great story. I love to follow these stories. Uh, I've shared before my Bigfoot hunting story when I was working for an NBC uh, station and <laughs> we went up and spent the night in a swamp looking for Bigfoot. But uh, last week, three people in the South Carolina State Park swear they saw Bigfoot. It was at Hunting Island State Park. It's in uh, South Carolina. And uh, this, is, this report was made uh, public by the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. And that is, it sounds crazy, but that's a pretty reputable organization. They really do try to screen out these reports from the crazies and stuff. Uh, you may not believe in Bigfoot <laughs> at all, that's fine. But, uh, but they're not, they're, they do have some serious investigative work that they do when they look at these reports. You know, often they just come down to people swear they saw them and how do you prove it's not? But these sightings happened August 2nd, and it happened uh, around noon uh, when people were in their car. They were leaving the lighthouse at Hunting Island State Park, driving along a slightly curved road. And they said, uh, as they made this curve, there was this creature uh, standing, and they, they got to within 15, 20 feet of it. They said it was about five to six feet tall. Its legs were about three feet tall, which would make it's it kind three of... Three feet apart. It's three, three, uh, it, was, it said the legs were three feet tall. Oh, okay. Three feet tall, um, which would make it kind of small, according to most Bigfoot sightings. But, yeah. Uh, they said it all happened very quickly, quicker than they could take a photo. The thing was gone. Um, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's just a fun story. Okay, so what would be fun is to get a gorilla costume and... No. No, you might get Somebody, shot. <laughs> you know, we thought of that one time just for fun. No, but I, remember, I bet you would think of that just for fun. But I ended up talking to, uh, I've done a fair number of stories on Bigfoot sightings, and remember one year we had two different groups, rival groups, it was supposed to be a really hot spot in Michigan, and they were both looking, and one guy, they were going to get photographic evidence, but the other group, they were going to kill it. <laughs> they figured nobody would believe the photos, but if they killed one, they'd believe it. So... I'm not going to go running around the woods dressed <laughs> yeah. up because yeah. there may be more of those kind of hunters out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a fun story. This is a serious one, though, that you have. Okay. If you are boondocking or camping somewhere out west off the beaten path, uh, be sure to find out if the area you plan on camping in allows campfires. Last week, an illegal campfire was blamed in California for a fire that spread to 34 acres. Mm. 
And each year we hear of wildfires starting this way. And now is the season when drought conditions are severe in many parts of the West. And even Yellowstone National Park has issued a high fire danger alert banning uh, blazes in the backcountry. So you got to check, folks, before you start a fire, make sure it's okay, particularly fall when everything's dry. Yep. Uh, Okay, the... um, uh, Labor Day now in the back pocket. It's time for great fall camping, as we've already talked about, but it's also time for fall RV shows. All around the country, they really kick off next weekend, and uh, we will try and do this uh, several times, you know, between now and when it stops just before the holidays. But uh, let's uh, start off the uh, first one, September 8th through the 11th, Cleveland, Ohio is the place it's the Ohio Outdoor Fall RV Festival. And then September 14th through 18th, Hershey's, America's largest RV show, the Giant Center, Hershey, Pennsylvania. We will be there. We'll mm-hmm. be making meet and greets, uh, uh, and you'll find us. We'll put that schedule out. Uh, the same weekend, um, September 15th through the 18th, it's in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is the Charlotte Fall RV Show and Sale in Charlotte, North Carolina. September 15th through the 18th, Portland Falls RV and Van Show, the Portland Expo Center, Portland, Oregon. All right, September 16th through the 20th, it's the Maryland RV Show, the Maryland State Fairgrounds in Timonium, Maryland. That's always a big show, big show. September 23rd to the 25th, Indianapolis Falls RV and Boat Show, Indiana State Fairgrounds, West Pavilion, Indianapolis, Indiana. And then September 28th through October 2nd, this is always a big show in Michigan, uh, is the Detroit RV and Camping Show. It's held at the uh, Suburban Collection Showplace in Novi, Michigan. Again, the dates on that, September 28th to October 2nd. Remember, an RV show, if you're shopping for an RV, is where you'll find all the different models so you can see them very efficiently in one day. You can try them out, go inside, try the bed, lay down the bed, you know, see how much room you have, and you'll probably get the best price at the show. So uh, attend an RV show near you and you'll be happy. And we can't wait for Hershey. Hershey's where they introduce all the new 2023 models. 1,300 models will be on display at the Hershey RV show. Uh, 400 manufacturers and dealers will be represented, uh, and we'll be there, and we can't wait to, uh, to meet many of you. All right, time for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about girl campers. Stay with us. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds and competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. It was for Jen and me. We bought some land just west of Nashville, Tennessee, in an incredible collection of mountaintop RV properties called the Woodlands at Buffalo River. These are 5 to 62-acre properties that allow RVs year-round starting at $79,900, and we loved it. The scenery is breathtaking, and you can own it outright. It's not a timeshare. It's your property, your way. You can landscape, garden, bring your pets, build what you want to. There's high-speed internet. And it's so private. It's a great place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations, ready whenever you want. And they're selling these properties by appointment, five to 62 acres, $79,900. 
financing, big discounts available on multi-lot packages. For information, visit MyRVLand.com. MyRVLand.com. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you buy $99 or more in merchandise. You'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back, everybody. Time now for our interview of the week segment, and you're going to enjoy this one a lot. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Girl Camping, and that's not an insulting name. That is the name of the group. Yeah, Girl Camper is the name of the empire, that's what I'll tease her about, that our friend Janine Pettit, who's known as uh, Camper-in-Chief. She's the founder and Camper-in-Chief of Girl Camper. Uh, we'll put a link on the website, but it's a, it's a website, it's a podcast, it's a YouTube videos. It is a massively uh, successful uh, Facebook group, all dedicated to female travelers. Now, most of them are solo travelers. They travel either with themselves or a girlfriend or a woman friend, if that's what you prefer, but that's what they call it. That's what Janine calls it, and they all love it. Uh, camp like a girl was her model for a while, <laughs> and uh, it's a pretty cool way to camp. Uh, the, as you'll hear in this interview, um, there are a lot of, of women campers out there on the roads. It seems to be growing more and more. And one of the things that we, we asked Janine is, why don't we see as many solo male travelers? And the feeling was that maybe men travel a lot with their work, with their jobs, and they just want to sit home. They don't want to go out and see all of that. And they always say opposites attract. So when people get married, sometimes your spouse That's what doesn't happened. want to travel. That's what happened with uh, Janine, as a matter of fact. Uh, you're going to love meeting Janine. She's been on the show before, but we haven't had her on for a couple of years. And uh, she's now launched a really nice coffee table magazine called Girl Camper that is, that is really a, a work of art. Uh, and uh, we'll see her, by the way. She'll be at Hershey as well, so we'll see her in person. But we uh, got, got with her last week, sat down, and talked about this whole thing, this whole movement of women traveling alone and camping, girl campers. Uh, meet with us, Janine Pettit, the camper-in-chief. Well, the girl camper herself, Janine Pettit, joins us right now. Hey, it's great to see you again. It's great to see you too. It always is. Usually when we bump into each other, we're at a trade show and it's like, hey, Mike and Jen, hey, girl camp. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. we'll, so we'll, be, we'll be like that at Hershey, at Hershey this month. And oh my gosh, yeah. it's going to get crazy. So well, it's been a couple of years. To actually sit down and I'll get to do more than wave at you when you go by with the yeah. followers after you. <laughs> 
it will be nice. I can't believe it was 2017 when we last connected. Yeah, 2017. So you got to update us on what's been happening. Yep. So I know a lot of stuff has been happening, including what's on your wall behind you. So why don't you give us a quick update on what all has happened with the girl camper? Well, you know, every time I get a little window where I think, okay, you know, the podcast is going well, just take a breather. I'm not very good at breathers, I guess, because the ideas are always percolating, right? And so I got this idea because people frequently write to me and say, why don't you host events? And the problem with that is I'm here in New Jersey and, you know, like they're all over the country, right? But you and I, us, all three of us, we do the same thing. We inspire people, right? And we, they want to get out there. And I think it's a little different when you're a solo woman traveler. You require a little more hand-holding. It's not that we don't possess the ability to do it. When you're doing it alone, which a lot of our women are, you need a little more hand-holding. And that's where hosting events is a little more fruitful than it is for couples. Like, what could go wrong? If you get a flat, someone's going to call and you're going to flag them down. You know, you're together. So I opened up the country and I put out a call for girl camper guides all over the country. What women would be willing to help other women in their area get their feet wet, hold their hands, show them the ropes. And so now we have 36, I believe, girl camper guides and all over the country. And so they become the handholder, the guide, the mentor for these women, but also they are becoming the tourist guide for their area. So say, you know, we have um, our girl, Risa Lippert in Ohio. I got to turn that off. Um, Risa in Iowa, rather. You know, when someone wants to camp in Iowa, they can go to her girl camper page because she has her own girl camper page within our website and find out where a great place to camp is. Where's the best coffee spot? If you're into this, where should I go? And so they became little tourist guides for their neck of the woods, too. So girl camper chapters all over the country. Thought I had that going so well that I was going to start a magazine. <laughs> So when COVID hit, I had all of a sudden a great deal of free time. You know, I usually am at an RV show every other weekend in the winter. And then all of a sudden everything was canceled. And, and that magazine was in my head for the longest time. And so I just said, sat down with a piece of paper and wrote out, if I were going to do a magazine, what would I want to talk about? And I always go into Barnes and Noble and I look at the magazines and I'm like 10 magazines on backyard chickens and no camping magazines. So, you know, kind of like writing the book you wanted to read. I created the magazine I wanted to pull off the shelf. So we're in our third year. We won multiple Aussie and Eddie Awards. I was very proud to have been nominated for an editorial in the magazine last year for a 93-year-old grandma who took up camping for the first time. Um, we were nominated Lifestyle Magazine of the Year up against Joanna Gaines and the Property Brothers from HGTV. So we're like the little magazine that could, and I'm very proud of our team. All right. All right. So I guess what pops in my head is somebody starting out, is there a certain RV that you suggest to them that it's a good one to start out your camping life? 
Well, we try to show everybody all the options, but I'm a big proponent of start small and work your way up. Really, we say at Girl Camper that there's no wrong way to camp like a girl. So if you're a hammock hanger, a tent camper, a car camper, a van driver, you know, a cabin renter or an RV puller, like we're going to help you. But if you have it in your head, I'm going to tow an RV, start small, get yourself a teardrop. Have a safe place to sleep. Get yourself off the ground. But I, unless you have experience, you know, you, there's no need to go out there and get a 37-foot travel trailer. Well, one question I, I have is, it seems to me, and it's anecdotal, I know, but from our travels, from the email we get, that there are more solo female travelers than there are solo male travelers. Has that it been is, your experience? And what do you attribute right. that to? You would think in this culture and society we're in, you know, and outdoors and RVs and mechanical stuff, there'd be more solo men. But well, I I'm gonna be, just the opposite. I'm going to be very politically incorrect and tell you that women are just more adventurous, Mike. <laughs> um, I in, in um, the KOA camping um, report, annual camping report, or maybe it's the Go RVing stats. One of those two has stats on it. The numbers are really significant. Like 80% of the solo travelers are women and only 20% are men. So I think it's a couple of things. I think men, if my husband, and this is anecdotal, I mean, he doesn't like to be bumped out of his comfort zone. He kind of likes, you know, the Barco lounger. And even though RVs are super comfortable and everything, I, I really do believe women um, are more adventurous, you know. Um, women spend a lot of time at home and, and traditionally, not anymore. Um, but I think women are more apt to like, okay, kids are raised, took care of mom and dad, empty nesters. Somebody let me out. I got to get going. I think that's absolutely true. The empty nest and you want to go see things. And often, oh, it used to be, but I think now it's different. The men traveled all the time and they're right. tired of traveling. They want to just stay in one spot. Yeah, my husband, um, my husband has a sales job and he's on the road in his car all day long. Do you think he's getting in a camper to tow it even to Maryland three hours from home? No. He does not want to no, go well, anywhere. He wants to park in his living room, enjoy the back porch. That's no, I get that. Now you you are uh, you are married. You are a solo traveler. Your husband just doesn't like to travel. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm wondering how many other women are like that uh, because I think the stereotype is that many of them are single women or recently widowed women, and and there's a significant or divorced, but. Are there a lot of women whose husbands just say, have fun, dear, bye? Uh, Mike and Jen, the number of women who are married who go out there, it's actually higher than the solo woman, uh, the divorced Ooh. or widowed or single woman. Um, and this is completely anecdotal. One of these days on our Facebook group, I should put this out as a poll because I just like to know. But all the years I've camped with these women myself, uh, most of the women around the campfire are like, oh, my husband took the grandsons out on the lake this weekend, or yeah, my husband's hunting, or he's got a golf match, or like they're doing their thing. Like men somehow 
can keep hobbies while they're married and raising children <laughs> and they continue those. And then those kids are gone and they have lifelong hobbies and women may be sitting there going, you know, I've always wanted to go to the national parks. I've always wanted to go to that quilting museum in Missouri. Well, now I have the time and the freedom to do that. And they find this group of women who are doing it. And they're like, Eureka, let me get one of, one of these little teardrops and take off with the girls. And then they find this is a whole subculture. These women are having a blast out there. Community, 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 and sharing experiences and ideas on how you can do things differently, decorating inside, outside. What right. tips do you have for women? Well, you, you know, Jen, you're talking about something that I feel like was such a part of the culture when I grew up. I call it that clothesline community, when women really <laughs> helped each other. You know, when all the moms were home and somebody got sick, another mom took the unwell or the with sick kids and you know like you helped each other and that's what we have here so if you what I love seeing in the girl camper community is when someone comes in brand new and they don't know anything right and they sign up for a girl camper event and the women there are like let me put show you take that hitch on and off three times I've done this myself sitting in a, a campsite going take it off put it back on take it off but you're building the muscle memory. I'm making notes. I got this right. A year later, you see that same woman out in the campground and she's teaching that to somebody else. So whatever your skill set is, whatever you're good at, maybe you're a Dutch oven cooker or, you know, um, maybe you're just really good at organizing your camper. You know, everybody's out there. There's always a camper tour. So the girl campers <laughs> arrive en masse at the campground, right? And everybody's setting up on a Friday afternoon. Well, you know that there is a cocktail at five. And we will start at one camper and everybody makes their way around that campground. And of course, we're ooing and eyeing over everybody's designs. But we're also like, where did you get those stackable Rubbermaids? You know, like, how do you keep this? It's like all the tips on packing and organizing. It's it's just so much fun. Why don't you, before we run out of time, uh, we could talk for like hours with you about this, but let's do a couple of, for the woman out there who is saying, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, give her some hints. And, and then we'll come back and, and for those who have been camping for a long time, uh, what are their what are their big concerns? Are there issues about mm -hmm. decorating or what? Safety. Uh, safety is always a big question. Yeah. So uh, answer so some of those. Never, yeah, if you've never done it before, let's say you're on our Facebook group, which is 330,000 women now. In, wow. in our, 330,000. That's huge. Is that madness, right? And... Um, so you're on there and I read those threads at night when I sit down, see what everybody's talking about, you know, and it's often thank you, thank you, thank you. Or, hey, everybody, I did it. I just got my big girl pants on and I got myself out to the campground and it rained buckets, but I sat in my tent or my camper and I did this and I did that. And the encouragement and support that comes back is so beautiful to watch. So if you've never done it before and you want to join our Facebook group, Girl Camper, and just put it out there. What's your stumbling block? Because it's different for everybody. Like Jen just said, some people are really hung up on safety. Am I safe out there? So pose that question to the group of what your fear is. 
So, and then I would say, get the support of people nearby. And if you're doing a trip for the very first time, maybe don't even worry about a tent or an RV. Rent a cabin at a campground. Pick a nice resort campground and rent a cabin and just talk to people. Get the feel for it, right? If you don't have an RV at all, borrow a tent from someone and just go, right? Get your feet wet close to home. Good advice. That is. That is. What do you and think borrow. are the biggest... Don't, don't make a lot of money investment. Just borrow. Borrow from the yeah. neighbors. You know, you don't need a lot. How has the camping world changed for girl campers post-COVID now? Now that we're getting... Some say back to normal, the new normal, whatever that is. Has it changed any? Are you noticing any new trends besides this 80%, you know, that you talked about? Are, are solo female travelers, of solo travelers of all? Well, I think what, what I'm seeing is a bunch of people are so darn happy to be out there again, right? <laughs> but I think what we're also seeing, and you guys have to be seeing it too, is during COVID, everyone was like, I should be camping. I should get a camper. I got to get out of yeah. this house, right? And so the camping community is full of newbies. So I would say if you are out there post-COVID, lend a hand to those people who are still learning the ropes. That's great. Good advice. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we, we look forward to... We're going to put links to all the Girl Camper resources uh, in the show notes for this episode. Oh, thank you. Uh, you are one of our favorite people, have been ever since we started. Uh, tell everybody, just to introduce yourself to them a little bit. Most of, of your followers will all know that you're on and they're going to say, oh, you know, Janine. But for, for those who don't, how did you start? How long have you been doing this? And uh, how often are you on the road? Uh, hopefully more often coming up, but, uh, so my name is Janine Pettit and, uh, AKA girl camper, right? Uh, almost no one calls me Janine anymore. I'm camper in chief, <laughs> which, uh, which my, my gang at work here gave me. And I think is so cute. Um, and I grew up in a camping family and I just always loved camping. It's just some of the best memories of my life. And I always wanted to return to it. And I had a husband with zero interest in camping. We took our kids camping once with a borrowed camper and I had so much fun. And he looked at me and said, I'm so glad that's over. And, <laughs> and then I was, yeah, he was just like, who got that off the list? She's been bugging me about that for years. And then, then I found out there's just women out there and, you know, men don't wait for us to do things with them. Let me just go. I, I drove my parents' motorhome from New Jersey to Illinois when I was 17. Like, I was not afraid. You know, I've been in hundreds of campgrounds. So I went online on eBay and I bought myself a 1959 Field and Stream little um, Birchwood Beauty camper. It was 10 feet long. It had a bed, a little booth, and a kitchen. And it was heaven. And I had that camper for eight years. And wow. just little weekends with the girlfriends close to home, never more than two or three hours from home. But then when my youngest graduated from high school, I got myself a beautiful teardrop, um, uh, the Max teardrop by um, Liberty Outdoors. And I took off. I just took off. I went to the Tetons. I went out to Glacier National Park. I went all over Texas. I just, my husband would call and say, where are you? <laughs> and so- <laughs> 
you know, I, I just felt like very much like there are women out there who want the skills to do this. And we wanted to create a community of support, but not only support really practical knowledge, like how often should I be checking my tires? What's the proper air pressure? Is my tow vehicle big enough for this camper? So that's all online at girlcamper.com. And in our magazine is chock full of inspirational stories of women who overcame those fears and got out there on the road and are now helping other women. So we just give each other a leg up. So I started Girl Camper in 2015. So here we are seven years later. I never imagined this. You know, it was a blog. I never imagined, you know, this magazine and this community and all these wonderful people and the people like you that I get to meet in my job. I think I think we have the coolest jobs. <laughs> We do, we do. You know, what? It's, people. it's community. It is this community yeah. of like-minded people. Well, uh, God keep blessing you. And we look forward to seeing yeah. you in person and uh, hanging yeah. out with you. And, yeah. and I will send a million people your way. Just make Please. sure you send a few of them back our way too, so we don't lose them because they're, they're going to love the girl camp. When this comes out, we can share it on our Facebook group, and um, hopefully, people will come and subscribe to the magazine and be inspired. We publish our magazine on hundred-pound paper. It's a coffee table book. It's it's not a throwaway. It's it's just so fun to sit in your camper and go, oh, what's that story on Yellowstone? Where is that restaurant I'm supposed to eat at? So hopefully they'll subscribe and keep it. And uh, I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you too at Hershey. Janine is just a ball of energy, isn't oh, she? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can see why she would have a following because she's such an energetic woman that uh, you want to go whatever she's doing. It's got to be fun. And she is so motivated to help people. And I love it. She said, just get out there. Start slow, you know, and she'll help you. Anyway, we'll put a link to uh, Janine's information, how you can uh, check out all of her content uh, in the show notes for this episode, which you'll find on our blog, rvlifestyle.com. When we come back, the questions of the week. Stay with us. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have, and they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. All right, welcome back, everybody. Time now for the RV Lifestyle Questions of the Week. A couple that we want to attack uh, this week. Again, if you have a question that you would like us to answer uh, or comment on anything you've heard today, just use our personal email and send it to us. Uh, Mike and Jen, Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. 
and uh, we would uh, would love to hear from you. All right, this one is uh, really for you, Jennifer, and let me read it. It says, uh, uh, we are weekend and holiday campers, and it seems like we are always packing and unpacking. Jennifer, would you share what you leave in the RV and what you take out after every trip so I can streamline my process? And that's from Cindy. I don't think there's any way to get out of being camping or packing and unpacking. There's the obvious things that you have to take out, like emptying the refrigerator, your dirty clothes, towels, wiping everything down, making everything sure everything's ready to go the next time. It depends on the climate that you live in, whether you're comfortable leaving a lot of your food in the pantry or in the RV because it might be too cold or too hot. You don't want things to get ruined. I think of like prescription drugs that uh, are supposed to be kept at a certain temperature. Even look at the what it says like on your whatever you use for ibuprofen or whatever you use, what temperatures can that be left at? Because it gets really hot in an RV. And if you don't think it's going to spoil, you can leave it. When we close up for the winter a little bit, I will take things out and put things back. And uh, you just get a container that's convenient for whatever you're going to bring in and then take it back out again. So you can just bring it in in that little container, find a spot for it. And then when you leave again, take it back in that same container. That'll save you a little bit of paper bags that rip. We've got lots of videos of me carrying things <laughs> around, paper bags with the bags ripping. Yeah, we're no one to talk. You should. You could go to our YouTube channel and you can see a couple of pictures. There's, there's one video I ended up doing about all the stuff we packed for a two-day weekend trip. Take a look at that and then, and then see if we have any credibility in telling you what to do. But. Um, but you can leave some clothes in, yeah. in the RV, you know? Raincoats, uh, lightweight jacket, heavier jacket, mittens, hats. Sweatshirts, boots. hats, yeah. Yeah, things that you can leave out there. I, I'm thinking that you're thinking more of like food. Food you should never leave. Even in your pantry, I would urge you to caution because, you know, mice, if mice get in, they'll find it. And boy, that makes a big mess. So. And my advice is as soon as you get done, if it's at all possible, clean the thing out. You know, wipe the down the refrigerator. You have to leave the door ajar anyways so that it doesn't get nasty smelling in there. But whatever you can do or the next morning, wipe it, clean it out, sweep it out. And it's such a joy the next time you have to go that you don't have to clean it before you fill it. You know, um, thinking of all the newbies out there, if you caught what Jen said, when you after you park your RV you know, between trips, uh, you've unplugged it, you're not leaving the refrigerator running, open the two doors. Otherwise it gets musty and it smells in there and you want to open that door and have the airflow. You don't uh, want mold in there. Because you'll get mold and it'll, it'll get pretty nasty in there. So uh, when the refrigerator's not on, obviously, yeah. leave those doors open. Mm -hmm. All right, you have a question. All right, I've got a question here. We've been uh, following what, what you two have been doing with the property you purchased in Tennessee. We're looking there and elsewhere, but having a clue about how much we should figure to develop whatever land we get. How much money, I think. How much that, money yeah. it's going to take to develop this uh, land once you buy it. We would want a couple of RV pads and all the hookups, water, electric, septic. Someday we may build a cabin, but for the first few years, we use it for our motor home and our daughter and her family and their 20-foot travel trailer. And this is from Jay and Sandy. Well, Jay and Sandy, that question is, is pretty hard to answer. It's kind of like saying, how long can I run my air conditioner on my batteries? Uh, and 
you really can't give an answer to that because you don't know how humid the RV is. You don't know what the temperature. So, so just understand that I can't give you what it'll cost you to develop the property you buy. Yeah, it depends on flat land, hilly land, trees on the land. Do you have to cut a driveway? And the septic field, I check in your area, whatever you're interested in. How much does a septic field cost? Oh, it depends. Uh, I mean, it, it depends on how big of a septic area you're going to make. Uh, you say you might have a cabin someday. You will want a tank that would hold. They go by uh, the size of the house that it might service. So when you, if that's what you want, if you're thinking someday you might want a cabin, or if you're going to resell that land, somebody else may want a cabin, it's a big draw. Say you put in a septic tank that will handle a three-bedroom house. That is what we did. If you've that's been following us, you know that's what we did. But the price is all depends on local ordinances, how much uh, of a septic field you have to have, what kind of a field the local health department wants you to have. I'm going to give you a ballpark estimate on it. And I think this is absolutely right on. But whatever you pay for the property, okay? Say you pay, um, you know, $50,000 for a couple of acres or whatever it is you buy. Figure half of that, at least half of it, is going to be spent on developing it. Putting in your pads, clearing the trees, excavating everything you have to do, running your, your uh, utilities, your electric, um, right it, there, there's a lot of difference, whether you have to dig a well or if you can tap into some water. Right. If you have to dig a well, figure ten to $15,000 for a well. And that, it depends on how deep they have to go. If yeah. you, go you know, that's like for maybe 100, 110 feet. If you have to go deeper than that, which in many places you have to, it's going to cost more. Uh, if you're going to run your electric utilities uh, underground, that's what we did, yeah. uh, from wherever they connected the transformer, that's going to cost more than if you can run them overhead, if you don't mind how ugly that looks with the wires running across. So uh, figure half of the cost At of the least. land in what it's going to cost you to develop it. And, uh, and I think about ours, because we did underground, which is very pricey. And what did they do? They brought that pole in, what, one-third yeah. of the length of our, or half the Yeah. Length. I mean, so we got this big pole, and then just, it's not that far that it's underground. I'm like, hmm, should have yep. just left it above ground. Yep, but it's 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 more than just buying land, and then you're all set, because, you know, and now, can you do some of the work yourself? Maybe, if you're handy with all that stuff, maybe you and your son-in-law Check the can, local can folks you. around, you know, for prices. Yep. Always try and hire local contractors because they'll know, you know, everything you need to do. They'll know the local um, people that you have to get permits for. Don't forget, you need permits. Uh, those costs, all that stuff. So um, that's it's, as specific as we can be, but... And maybe you're, yeah, well, you, you had a full list of what you wanted. It wasn't like you just wanted yeah, a RV pad. pads, water, electricity, yeah. septic, two yeah. pads. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's, But you're going to have so much fun. Yep, yep. So we just did that with Tennessee with our property, and hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll be able to share something about Michigan where we hope to do it uh, on a little different scale, but uh, we also want to do it there too. So, um, But we really have had fun. In fact, our uh, fifth wheel, is we've left it back at our Tennessee property. We can't wait to and go I back. And I miss it. Yes, I do too. I can't wait to go back. And uh, I have a security camera up, and I love to... About 10 Look times a day, it. I'm looking at it, you know. I saw a deer run across the uh, way the other day. I saw a deer run right across. I bet they are running across. They're hunting them they down are, there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd maybe be running too. Might do that. 
All right. Again, send us your comments, your questions, Mike and Jen, RVLifestyle.com. Uh, next week, we'll be on the road. We'll come to you someplace from near Hershey, Pennsylvania on the eve of the opening of the big show, America's largest RV show in Hershey. We can't wait to be there. I can't wait to meet many of you in person. Till then, thanks for watching. Happy trails.